week 34, and we are going to start and end with the story of Jimmy Certain. Jimmy Certain and his coming to faith, becoming a Christian in the little neck of woods he lived in. Can I tell you this story? Well, before leaving home, old Jimmy Certain was told by his mama that he needed to have Jesus in his life and he needed to repent of his sins. And that caused old Jimmy to start to search for the true church of Jesus on the earth. And he went to this church and that church and he went to this church and that church. And then one morning he woke up and before setting out to find the true church, Jimmy cracked open the Bible his mama had given him and told him, that every single word of the Bible must be believed. So Jimmy opened up the Bible to Mark chapter 16. And there he read the following passage that morning. At verse 17, Jesus said, And these signs shall follow them that believe. Oh, Jimmy sat up. This is going to help me find the true church. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they shall drink anything deadly, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Well, that just opened up the door to Jimmy. He said, Jesus said it right there. These signs will follow them that believe. Truly believe. It's written right here in the Bible. <clears throat> Mark chapter 16. Well, old Jimmy thought to himself, I need to find a church that has these things in it. Because that's what Jesus says. That's what's in the Bible. And man, it must be true. So he started going from church to church that day like he'd been doing for the past few weeks. And he wandered around that day. And late in the afternoon, he heard something in the distance screaming and hollering and laughter and clapping. He rounded the dusty road. The sun was setting. The green trees cast a shadow over a little white church. Shooting out the top of it was the cross of Jesus. It's important to people who believe. It's important to me, your narrator. And from that building, he could hear the origin of all those screams and claps and organ music and shouting. Right on the side of that building, big bold letters, it said, The True Apostolic Church of Jesus. And he said, well, I'm going to go in and see what's going on there. He got pretty excited. He could feel, feel the energy coming out from within. Carefully, he walked up the wooden steps pulled open the double doors and peeked inside. And what do you think he saw? A couple dozen souls inside. And guess what they were doing? At the very front was a man shaking all over the place, shaking and screaming like the devil, sticking his tongue out, rocking back and forth. And he was on a chair. And there were a bunch of other men gathered around him. And they were all calling for the demons to come out. Well, this man in Jesus' name, because it says it right there in Mark 16, these signs will follow them that believe. 
So he watched those men as they cast that demon out and the, and the man became calm. And he sat upright and he stopped spitting. And he adjusted his collar. And they praised the fact that devils were cast out of that man. In the aisles, there's a bunch of other people laying, some of them laying on the ground, kicking and writhing about, gibberish coming out of their mouth. He thought, well, this must be speaking in tongues because I can't understand what they're saying. That chick gives me another insight that this might be the true church. He looked to the left of the building. Over there, there was a guy holding a bottle of Clorox bleach is what it looked like. And he's drinking it. And he didn't fall over sick or ill or die. He put poison in his body and he didn't die. Signs follow them that believe Jesus said. Poison will get, they'll be poisoned and it won't affect them. Over the other side of the room, there's a man holding about four or five snakes, rattlesnakes. He'd hold those snakes up and he'd bring them up to his face and the snakes would be looking at him and he wasn't afraid. Serpents handling him didn't affect him. Well, old Jimmy, without invitation, but feeling overwhelmed, stepped into that church fell to his knees, raised his arms, and wept for finally finding the true church of Jesus, according to the scripture. Because that is what Jesus said would follow those who believed. Some people ran back and they gathered around Jimmy and they invited him to prove his faith by speaking in tongues, which he did on command. He just did it. The people rejoiced. Jimmy was saved. He showed the signs of being spirit-filled. There was a baptistry over to the side, and because people were baptized unto the death of Jesus, that's by immersion. Jesus went, I mean, Jimmy went forward, and the pastor baptized him by immersion. He had spoken tongues. He came out of the water speaking in tongues because he felt it. It confirmed what scripture said. It was beautiful. He was saved, a member of that true church. He gathered around that demon-possessed man and hugged him, grateful that they had laid hands on him. People rejoiced. Jimmy was offered a venomous snake to hold, which he did, and a drink from that bottle of Clorox, which he took. Jimmy's throat started to burn. Rattlesnake bit him on the hand. In five minutes, Jimmy was dead. Now you step into almost any body of believing Christians in any church, even those that reject and mock what Jimmy was following, even though it's in the Bible, And Jesus said, these are the signs that would follow him, that believe. But you go into any church and you're going to have a similar situation. You look at the outside, you see the name of the church, 
You step in, you observe, you learn what their teachings are, you see how it comports itself with the Bible, and you determine whether this is a true church of Jesus Christ or not. Some people will say there are no more miracles. Some people will justify saying Jimmy should never have read that literally. I don't know where they get that justification unless they understand eschatology. Other people will say, well, we believe in the signs, but they have to be done decently and in order. Other people say we need to have all the signs going on. There should be healings because Jesus said it. I mean, it's endless, the variations. And the way people will take scripture and they'll accept some of it and they'll discount others, right? Even at the least miraculous end of the faith where people deny miracles today, the reason that Jimmy's story is so tragic is often missed. So let's talk about it. First of all, who was Jesus talking to when he, when he said that in Mark? Was that to Jimmy? Was that to you or me? If it was, then these signs should be following us as believers right now. We should be casting out devils, handling serpents, not being affected by poison, all of it that he said. Since most of us aren't doing that, except the real extremists, probably doesn't have application to us. And if that doesn't have application to us, we have to step back and say, what does? And how do we determine what does and what doesn't, right? Who was Jesus talking to? He was talking to his apostles. It's funny that after those verses that Jimmy read, searching for snake handling and things, Jesus said, it reads in Mark 16, verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up to heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following them. Amen. Whoa. Now we have context. Jesus was talking to them then. He wasn't even talking to the believers then. He was talking specifically to his apostles. That these signs will follow you, 11, then turn 12 with Paul, who go out, not to us. And if the application isn't to us through what he said to his apostles, then <clears throat> we have a problem. We have a real problem with the faith today because then we are forced to say, well, what applies to us now? And I would say, let me just back up. So while the Bible's reliable, and it tells the story of Jesus. It can't be read in every place as speaking to people literally now. That is part of our point. We justify it through our study. It can't be. And it's not by most people. How do you tell the difference between what should be believed and followed, practiced, and what should be discarded and then embraced. We're talking about principles instead of literals. Principles instead of literals. 
We can say this because the literal was for them then. That was for them then, not to us. And it was to them then relative to context, who was being spoken to. And to say otherwise, you just might find yourself dead on the floor from handling snakes and drinking Clorox. You see? Scriptural principles deal in concepts around the literal stories. And they're applied in many ways that have no reference to material application. Scriptural literalism take material setting and events and assign them in the exact same way today to us. And again, let me emphasize, almost every organized religion is scripturally literal in one way or another. Let me give you some examples. You tell me, literal or principally applied and understood? Jesus says in Matthew 23, 9, And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Is that literal? If so, why does Scripture refer to earthly fathers by that term? Saying even, honor father and mother. Or is it a principle? Where the word father And what Jesus meant comes to mean, don't put anybody up in as supreme eminence in your life. Don't hold them up in superiority. Don't call them father and refer to them in that sense, father, as you would heavenly father, your father in heaven, right? The right to command, literal or principle. And then people will argue. If it's a principle, it's less room to argue. If it's literal, you got a problem. How about another one? Listen to what Paul said to Timothy. He says in Timothy 5, 9, let not a widow be taken into the number, that means the number of believers or congregation, under three score years old. That's the first rule. Having been the wife of one man, Had to only be married once. Well reported of of for good works. She has to have been doing good works. If she has brought up children, there's the fourth qualifier. If she has lodged strangers, there's the fifth qualifier for bringing a widow in to the church of that day. If she has washed the saint's feet, there's the sixth qualifier. If she has relieved the afflicted, the seventh qualifier, and if she has gin, uh, excuse me, diligently followed after every good work, eight qualifiers listed by Paul there to Timothy on how to manage the church in that day, in that age, at that time when widows came up. Literal? Or in principle, should widows be seen as true in their devotion to God overall in their lives uh, and rather than to the world, you know, 
before they're taken in and cared for is the is the idea, you know. Now, if you're a biblical literalist, like people claim to be, billions of people claim to be, then their church that they attend should make sure that they do not help a widow unless she meets those eight qualifiers. Eight. That includes washing the saints' feet. You biblical literalist? Might want to rethink that. But even worse yet, if you justify not following that, I want to know where you get the right. That's my question. How about when Jesus said in Luke 14, 26, if any man comes to me and hates not his father, calls his dad his father by there, by the way, you notice that? And mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. There's no play on words there in the Greek. The word hate there is missio and it means hate. Is that literal? God commands that we're to honor our father and mother. Jesus says you got to hate them if you're going to be my disciple. Are you a biblical literalist? And if you dismiss that, where do you get the right to do it? So we can see reasonably, Christians today, we take the scripture, we look at audience, we look at speaker, we look at date and age, We look at why it was said, what was going on, and we look at the principle of it today. And we say to ourselves as Christians, I follow what it says in Luke 14, 26, because I do not put my dad or my mom or my brother or my sisters above my relationship with God. I, in my heart, follow the first commandment, which is to love God, then to love neighbor as self. That's the principle that Jesus was teaching there. And you got to make a decision. Religions all plant their feet somewhere on biblical literalism. When the reality is it's up to the spirit in an individual to decide how that certain thing applies to them or not. You see the difference? See what we're trying to teach and try to show people so they can be freed from biblical literalism? As proven by the tale of Jimmy Certain, biblical literalism is extremely dangerous. As we have never been expected to take the inspired record of the former bride and to assign it to ourselves today in the modern world. And yet it continues to happen, literally, instead of principally. This leads us to one other problem. Who gets to interpret the principles? And whose interpretation of the principles are correct? So now we've left literalism, seen how faulty it is. And we come to principles. And we say, well, who gets to determine what was really meant? And this brings us to some final observations. The scripture and its principles are in the hands of the Spirit with the individual. Like Jesus' parables, the principles have different applications and meaning depending on the level of maturity and understanding of the person hearing it. This is another proof that the faith is subjective and not objectively demanded. 
Because in the body, we have people who are very, very low in terms of maturity, even intelligence, understanding, interest, desire. And we have everything in between all the way up to people who are super intuitive, spirit-filled, intelligent, understand concepts, et cetera, et cetera. All in that spectrum, people are accepted. It's not knowledge. It's the spirit that moves the interpretation in the individual. So you sit down at a table of strangers, for some reason you would, and there's a Catholic and a Baptist and a Hindu and a Muslim and a this and a this and a this and a this. And you all start talking and you have a choice. You can start to get angry and attacking because many of them are saying things that you don't believe are true. Or you can say in your heart, I trust what I believe. I'm going to respond in love. And all of us are going to approach our God at the end of our lives responsible for what we chose. That's the thing that we're trying to bring forward here through Christian Ultra Libertarians for Truth, that there is liberty and that in that liberty, there is the command to love and let everybody else have their liberty too. I suggest that anytime the Bible is taken literally and applied to a people literally as a demand that they must adhere to we miss the purpose and point of the word in our lives today. And just wanted to share that with you this week. Love you.